open our ears, our eyes to what you have to say this morning, Lord. Let the seed just penetrate our hearts, God, and just grow into a mighty tree, Lord. Let us be changed this morning by your word. In Jesus' name. Praise the Lord, amen. amen. Praise the Lord, amen. amen. I speak Jesus, amen. amen. Woo! I say Jesus, amen. amen. Say his name. Jesus. That's what I, his name means savior, deliverer, all right, restorer. That is our God. That is our king, Jesus. And I love how we were saying, I'm going to speak him into this, the addiction, my family, the word, the streets, the mountains. Praise the Lord, amen. amen. And, and you know what? There's a lot going on, man, in the world today that's freaking us out. All we need to do, man, is be, and we, we knew a lot of things are going to happen. We knew, we knew it was going to get crazy. Amen? amen? All right. And so what are we supposed to do about all that? Speak Jesus. Amen. amen. Speak Jesus. Right? It's getting crazy over in Israel, right? Around Israel. We're going to speak Jesus. Amen? It's getting crazy around the world, and we're going to speak Jesus. Amen? You got world leaders, you know, thinking that it's all about them, and they're going to make it happen. Guess what? We're speaking Jesus. Amen? Praise the Lord. Amen? Pray with me. Father, we praise you. And Lord God, together we speak the name of our Savior, the risen Lord, our great God and King, Jesus Christ. We speak him into Israel and the things that are taking place that people would recognize. That is where he shed his blood. That is the epicenter. That's where it took place. And you will be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. And we speak the name of Jesus across the world, into Russia, into Ukraine, into Iran, into Iraq, and yes, right here in the United States and in Pontop, Arizona, we, we speak Jesus. Amen. In Heber, Overgard, we speak Jesus. In Snowflake Taylor, we speak Jesus. In Alaska, in Springerville, in over in Eden's house, right on the in the on the East Coast, we speak the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Woo! Hallelujah. Yeah. I'm 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 uh, I'm not just, you know what? Check this out. All right. I believe that. Don't you believe that? Yeah. Praise the Lord. Amen. So check this out, man. We're, you know what? I got some questions for you. We brought up some stuff right now in that prayer and before it. How many of you look around, all right, and, and when you look over to Israel and you see what's happening, how many of you look at it as a sign that Jesus is coming home soon or coming back soon? Yeah? A lot of you? All right. Now, let me ask you this. How many of you are getting caught up in these end-time conversations? Probably don't want to answer that one right now. All right? <laughs> but think about it. How many of you are getting caught up, man, in these end-time circles? <laughs> when we're just kind of talking about these things, right, and figuring things out. How many of you are, are sitting alone, tripping, going, no, man, he's coming back real quick, right? This is going to happen anytime. How many are just saying, you know what, Jesus? Just do it. Come on. You know what I mean? How many of you are like right there? All right. 
I mean, these, they, they, you know, we're having a little fun with those questions, but you know what? That's what's happening right now. That is what's happening right now. How many are looking at the clock, though? Check this out. How many are looking at the clock, seeing what's getting ready to happen, or, and rushing to those who are dying without Jesus Christ, all right, and staying with them to lead them to, to a closer relationship with Christ? Not just going around hammering them with your Bible verses, but actually wrapping them up, rushing to them, hanging out with them, telling them about Jesus, and sticking around. How many of us are doing that right now because of what time it is? You know, yeah, we need to be aware of the times, that is sure. But because of what we know, we need to be focused on spreading the gospel. All right? Because there's an urgency. But you know what, man? There's always an urgency. Whether Jesus is coming back today, in 10 minutes, in 10 days, in 10 years, or 100 years, there is always an urgency. Why? Because people are dying 10, 10 minutes right now, and they're going to continually die without Christ. And so there is an urgency for us to share Jesus Every hour, people are dying without Christ. Too often we talk about end-time events, right? And so many Christians just huddle up with no action. Meanwhile, people are dying. 116 people, it's estimated, die every minute in the world. 4,600-plus people will die by the end of this sermon worldwide. Right here in the United States alone, more than 200 people will die by the end of this sermon. And so many of them, more than half of them, are dying without Jesus. I'm always down for a good huddle. I love a good huddle. Let's get together. Let's talk. Let's pray. But you know what? I think God is waiting for us to run some plays. And don't you? I can prove it. We're going to prove it today. All right? Yeah, a good huddle. All right, good. But we got to break, you know what I mean, and run some plays. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. We're, uh, we took a week off last week in the book of Luke. We wanted, I don't think we took a week off of anything. We know what we're talking about. God knows what he's doing around here, right? Praise the Lord. Amen. All right, but uh, last time we were in Luke, we... We, we heard about a Jude who, who changed his whole way of life because he saw Jesus seeing him. Remember Zacchaeus, the little homie that jumped up in the tree? All right. Yeah, remember him? All right. He saw Jesus. He went to look for Jesus. Everybody was like, Jesus, look at me. He, was, he went to look for Jesus. He wanted to see Jesus. And then he saw Jesus see him, and it changed his world. So today we're going to talk right out of that scene, and you're going to see as, as, as the word begins here, we're going to talk right out of that scene. As Jesus speaks, challenging us to speak Jesus, amen, to speak Jesus. And what's crazy, in this scene right here that we're going to be in, we're in, we're in Luke chapter 19, verse 11 through 27. In this scene right here, man, you're going to recognize Jesus is just a little over a week away from the cross. Maybe about a week. Next week, we're going to see him enter into Jerusalem, and he is in that last week of his, of his life before the cross. I say life before the cross because we know he's alive. Amen? Yes. All right? But what's even crazier, he's almost, almost 
two months from this moment that we're going to talk about, his guys, his, his apostles, and, and the disciples, the men and women, are going to need to be available for the grand opening of the church. It's going to happen in a couple of months from this moment right here, almost a couple of months, about 50 days, his church. So this is a pretty important story to lean into. Jesus is just outside of Jerusalem, maybe about an eight-hour walk away from Jerusalem. And he's going to tell the last parable that he gives with before he enters Jerusalem. He has some more when we get into Jerusalem, but this is the last one before he enters Jerusalem, just to the people who aren't going into Jerusalem with him and those who are going with him as well. It's a pretty important story that he's going to tell. All right, he's going he's gonna to lead us through a, 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 a fictitious story that relates to an eternal truth. So we really need to lean in on this one, okay? Let me pray for us. Father, we praise you and we worship you and we're so thankful, Lord God, that we have the assurance, Lord God, of your presence here, your presence in the afterlife, your presence if you come back or if you delay a little longer, it's all your glory And we're so thankful for the assurance, Lord, that we have in you. And so, Father, we praise you. And we thank you, Lord God. And we ask that you would lead us in that assurance underneath your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So coming out of the story with Zacchaeus, and Zacchaeus' whole life has changed. We have verse 11 in chapter 19 of Luke. And it says, as as they heard these things, he proceeded uh, to tell a parable. If they saw all the stuff that happened with Zacchaeus and all the stuff that he said and how his life was changed, he proceeded, uh, you know, after Jesus spoke Jesus in Zacchaeus' life, he proceeded to tell a parable because, this is important, he was near Jerusalem and because they supposed the kingdom of God was to appear, appear immediately. All right, because his disciples were so preoccupied with the false expectation of Jesus's radical takeover of the kingdom and 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 going in and kick some Roman butt, all right, that's what they thought was getting ready to take place because he pretty much said, yeah, I am the Christ. They recognize he is the Christ. And so they're waiting for this radical takeover, which they obviously did not understand the scriptures and did not understand Jesus. So he shares this parable to help us understand a little bit more. And what's crazy is this parable he's about to share, we are right in the middle of it. Let me just show you right quickly. This first line is so important to this parable, this story that he's going to tell. Verse 12, he said, therefore, a nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and then return. Now, we can move on from there, but there is so much going. What he's actually saying is, you know, there is a kingdom right here, all right, and right where he's at, and it's his kingdom, but he's going to go and receive it and then come back, all right, with his authority and, and, then, and, then, and then basically with his uh, compensation, if you will, and we'll, talk, we'll take a look at this in a minute. And I can prove that because in John 1, verse 10, he says this. It says, he was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. The king was in the world he created, but he had not taken, you know, proclaimed ownership over the world yet. And so we see this nobleman went into a far country to receive you know, a kingdom for himself, but, but he was actually in the kingdom when he said this. 
And then, and then it says that, and then, then, then he says he received this kingdom, all right, for himself, a kingdom. Matthew 28, 18 tells us this. And Jesus came and said, this is after the resurrection, all right? This is the, resur- the resurrection was the stamp, all right? The, you know, the, 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 the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, all right? The payment of sin that he made for you and for me, all right, was his payment for this kingdom. And he says in Matthew, he said, he came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me by his blood. He received this kingdom now, but not yet. Again, this nobleman went into a far country to receive a country for, a, a, for himself a kingdom, and then he returned. And then in Revelation twenty two twelve 12, it says, behold, I'm coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he's done. He will bring his compensation. This sounds like an important story, doesn't it? We really need to pay attention right here, man. So I hope you had your coffee, all right? (laughs) Because we are living in this parable right now at this very moment, all right? At this very moment, you know, Jesus says, I got the kingdom, I'll be back. And we need to pay attention to that. All right, our work, all right, between the first, all right, coming of Christ where he's actually talking about this stuff and the second coming of Jesus, he's not here yet, is a work with God by his spirit and from his word to invite people into his kingdom through prayerful proclamation of the gospel. Did you hear that? Our work in between the first coming of Christ, all right, we've seen it, we're reading about it. And the second not yet coming of Christ, there's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a space in between that. And we're living in that right now. Our work is a work with God by his Holy Spirit and from the word of God, all right, to prayerfully proclaim the gospel all over the planet. All over the planet. I can't be where you're at 24-7. You can't be where I'm at 24-7. And so 24-7, we're proclaiming the gospel wherever we're at, amen? Amen. That's our work, praise the Lord. That's a good place for a praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. (laughs) This is our responsibility. Everyone who calls himself his, it's your responsibility. I love what Ed Stester, I need a drink, hold on, excuse me. I love what Ed Stetzer says about this. He says, it's, it's not that God's church has a mission. It's that God's mission has a church. Amen? Amen. We, we get it turned around so often. All right, we got a mission. We got a mission. Yeah, we're on mission, but we're on his mission. God's mission has a church, and it's us. And the work is us. Amen? Praise the Lord. So that was extremely important. A nobleman went away, you know, went away to a far country to receive a kingdom and then return. That's important for us to recognize. And so calling, verse 13, calling 10 of his servants, he gave them 10 minas and said to them, engage in business until I come. A mina was like about a, a thousand, a thousand, I'm sorry, a hundred days wages. So that's a lot. All right, if somebody came and said to you today, you know what, I'm gonna give you uh, 100 days, instead of your week paycheck or your two-week paycheck, they say, I'm gonna give you, a, here's a paycheck for the next 100 days. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, right? You know what I mean? 
All right, we're gonna, you know what I mean? Think about it, right? That's a lot. He told them to get busy with it, though, right? And you know what? What, what, is, what is interesting when we read this, we recognize God has given us a lot, way more than 100 days wages. He's given us so much more. He's given us the good news of Jesus Christ. He's given us the gospel, all right? The good news. And so many times I hear people say, what is so good about this news? Because I feel like I'm like this all the time. What's so good about that? Because if we consider this, you know, we're like, like look at it in, in a full life view, away from Jesus, the most powerful force in human life is death. You, we, you understand that? Away from Jesus, the most powerful force in human life, in all of our lives, is death. Is death. And it freaks us all out. We don't like talking about it. But the problem is when we ignore that truth, uh, you know what, we end up going in so many wrong different directions. Death, death has a grip on every life on this planet away from Christ. So much so that everyone is trying to prove themselves alive. So often we're trying to prove to ourselves that, we, that we're actually, we really are living. So we really are alive. We feel that we need to, we need more evidence along the way. And at a, at a business conference, there was, a, you know, in the beginning of his talk, a marketing expert. He got up and he told the whole crowd. He said, what everyone is searching for is a feeling of being alive. What everyone is searching for is a feeling of being alive. What you need to convince everyone, he's telling these, 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 consumer, uh, these business people, what, what, what you need to convince everyone is, uh, of is, is that they, if they buy their product, they will feel alive. If they were, you need to convince them, man. If they just, you know, if you, you, can, you can make them feel better. You can make them feel stronger. You can make them, all right, better looking. You can make them smarter. All these things, right? Yeah, you need to convince them that you can make them feel alive. And we know this is true because this is how marketing works because that's what it does. If you just buy this toothpaste, your smile is going to just freak everybody out. <laughs> Do it. Right? Have you seen how much fun people have with a Pepsi or a Coke? <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> Woo! They're just having a blast. I never had that much fun with a soda. <laughs> I'm looking at thinking I shouldn't drink this. <laughs> I really shouldn't put this in my body. Right? never having that much fun. We have way better news. You and I have way better news. We don't merely have to feel alive because Jesus defeated death. We are alive. Amen. The greatest assurance, all right, that we can truly be alive here and now is that, is that, is that this, that Jesus himself got up after his death. Erwin McManus, I love what he said about this. He said, he didn't die on the cross to see if he was more powerful than death. He already knew he was. He died on the cross to prove to us that we could be more powerful than death in him. That in him, we could be more powerful than death. 
He didn't, he didn't, he didn't die. Jesus didn't die so he can see if he could have an afterlife. He already knew. He is life. He just wanted us to know that death is not the end of the story if you're in the right story. Amen? 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 54, all right, states this, when the perishable puts on imperishable, when the mortal puts on immortality, then it shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. And then he says in verse 55, oh, death, where's your victory? Oh, death, where's your sting? All right, when you no longer fear death because you trust the only one who conquered it, you can be assured that you're truly alive and you don't need a Pepsi to prove it. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. So many people, for them who have not trusted the finished work of Christ on the cross, are just one breath closer to their last breath. And we can't be okay with that. We cannot be okay with that. We, we, we cannot just say, well, you know. He's given us marching orders. We've already broke the huddle. He's calling us to, to run the plays, man, and this is what he's doing it. This is what he's doing. Look at verse 15. But his citizens, they hated him. Not the ones that he called, not his servants, all right, the citizens of the kingdom that he was going to receive. It says, the citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him saying, we don't want this man to reign over us, right? We don't want anyone. This, this, is, a, this is a picture of our world today and it has been since, all right? We don't want anyone to reign over us, especially God. All right, we, we, want, we want to be the kings of our own kingdoms. This is the message of the world. You know what's crazy? His citizens who hate him sent a delegation after him saying, we don't want this man to reign over him. And he, God knows this, and Jesus knows this, yet he still sends you and me to reach those who hate him. Isn't that crazy? What does that tell you about our great God and king? He knows his citizens hate him, and yet he still sends you and me to go and get him. Now, we get to the point of the parable that has not yet happened. And this is important to consider because so far we have been a part of that delegation, all right, and that resistance that's taking place in our work in that, as a delegate in that resistance. Look at verse 15. And when he returned, we haven't seen this yet, obviously. But here's a picture of what takes place. (laughs) I read this and I wonder how quickly do some people actually want Jesus to return? We still have a lot of work to do. We still have a lot of people who need Jesus. When he returned, having received the kingdom, he ordered these servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him that he might know what they have gained by doing business. 
He had already received the kingdom, but the full exercise of his authority still awaits his return today. And when he returns, his first call will be to his own people, his people, his servants. And it is one of accountability. Some that many of us will be like, yes. Some that others are not going to be too sure of. I want you to be sure of this. I want you to be, yes, he's back. Here we are, Lord God, check it out. The first came to him and said to him, Lord, your mina has made 10 minas more. All right, this is a thousand percent increase. This is ginormous. Your mina has created a thousand. He says, your mina, not me, your gospel, your word, your gifting, your purpose for my life. All right, you have created more. Yeah, through me but you have created more. One person making it easier by the power of God's Holy Spirit for 10 more people. One church making it easier by the power of, and, and of his Holy Spirit and the leadership of his word making it easier for 10 more churches. And he said, well done, good and faithful servant. Because you have been faithful in very little, you shall have authority over 10 cities. And I want to challenge this idea of faithfulness, right? Because, you know, the goal of faithfulness is not that we will work for God. Too often we think, you know, but that, that the goal of faithfulness is, is that, you know, I got to be faithful. I got to go to work. Got to be faithful. Got to go to work. Okay, God, I'm going. The goal of faithfulness is not that we will work for God, but that he will be free to work through us. That's the goal of faithfulness in God, the faithfulness in Christ, faithfulness for his glory. That we will have full freedom to work through you. Does he have freedom to work through you 24-7? What does that look like? What areas has, does he have like maybe some roadblocks in? Again, you know, he, he is... He wants your life. Last week, we challenged you guys to the ACG, the annual Christmas gift, all right? And we want to raise $70,000, all right? And it was estimated, you know what? You know, that sounds like a big number, but if every one of us gave $100 extra, you know, this, this ACG, you know what? That would just, that would do it. All right, it's not a lot when you think about it. But God is not just looking for you to just increase the numbers on the ACG, God wants 100% of you. Not just above and beyond. He wants the whole you. To work freely through you. Look at verse 18. The second one came and said, Lord, your, your mina has five minas. Has made five minas. And he said to them, you're going to be over five cities. You know, you have somebody, all right, that we would look at and go, wow, you knocked that out of the park. Okay, you did pretty good, all right? But that's not how God looks at it. God looks at it, you know what? Praise the Lord. You trusted me, and you gave me full reign in and through your life. And that's what he's after. Because look at, we look at this, and we say, you know what? I can't do it. I can't do it, man. 
You know what I mean? This is like, it just freaks me out to talk to people about God. You know what I mean? I can't go out and do it. I'm a nobody, all right? I'm really a nobody, man. But you know what? Christ makes you a somebody, amen? And more of a somebody than you can ever imagine. All right, uh, there, 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 was a, there was a guy, his name was Edward Kimball. Year, I mean, a couple hundred years ago, I think it was, or somewhere back in the 1800s, early 1800s. Or maybe it was later 1800s, because... Yeah, way off. Sounded real good. Hey, just anyways, he, he, was just, he was just a regular guy in church like, like, like you and me, but like, like us. He would come and he was, he was all about the church and the advancement of the gospel. He wasn't a big evangelist or anything else like that, but he was working with kids and some teenage kids. And, and there was a young man that he thought, you know what? He says, I'm gonna go, he, Edward Kimball said, I'm gonna go and just kind of just talk to each of these kids personally. And he went over to see one of the young men in his, in his Sunday school class. At his, and in the, he, was, he, was a shoe, he worked in a shoe, uh, uh, a shoe company, and he was in there. And he met him in, in the warehouse. They let him go talk to him. He was in the warehouse stocking shoes. And he was kind of helping him stock shoes while he was talking to him and challenging him in his relationship with God. And he led that kid to, to Jesus right there. You may not have heard of this guy, but he was, he's a pretty uh, uh, well-known guy in church world. His name was uh, Dwight L. Moody, all right? And, and he became a major evangelist in his time. As he grew up, not right then as a kid, but as he grew up and became a man, he, he became a, a big, evan- well-known evangelist. All right, and one day he's out at, 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 in the British Isles and he's preaching out there and there's another dude with this crazy name, Frederick Brotherton Meyer, all right? And he was a pastor there and he, he was just kind of like wondering if he should even be doing this anymore, all right? But he was so lit up when Moody shared his, his story about Edward Kimball coming to meet him there at his shoe store, at the shoe store, and, and he got on fire about that and he became an evangelist and he ended up coming over to America and started preaching in, you know, just, you know, in America. And one day he was in, uh, I think it was in Massachusetts, and he's preaching to, the, to just a small group of people, maybe a, a hundred people, and he's preaching. And he says, you know what? He said this, if you're not willing to give everything up to Christ, are you willing to be made willing? And there was another young man there named William Chaplin, all right? William Chapman, all right, basically heard that message, man, and he started getting more on fire. And then he became a great evangelist. And then one of the volunteers, all right, somebody who just come and help set up chairs. This guy, his name was Billy Sunday. He came and he's just setting up chairs and setting up chairs. And he sat down, he's listening to Chapman speak, speak right? And he's just starting to get on fire. And next thing you know, he takes over the ministry for Chapman if Chapman moves on. And then he he starts preaching, and he starts getting crazy, man, and he ended up in, uh, in, in Charlotte, North Carolina, and he's there in Charlotte, North Carolina, and while he's preaching there, there was a group of Christians there that said, you know what, we need to get more, you know, intentional about our community, so they invited, they invited this, this, this evangelist to come and do a tent revival, all right, you know, where they do a couple of nights, right, and this guy's name was Mordecai Ham, all right, imagine what this dude looks like, white hair, all right, tall and skinny, big face about this far off his hand, all right? You know what I mean? And Mordecai Ham was just preaching, and this skinny little 16-year-old kid comes and sits right in the front row, and, and he sat there every night, and he felt that every 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 uh, sermon that Mordecai's big old bony finger was just coming and just resting on his chest as he was preaching the gospel. That little 16-year-old kid's name was Billy Graham, who we know has preached the gospel to more people than anybody ever in history. 
millions and millions of people. All because of somebody who was a nobody. All right, I'm just a nobody. Who said, I'm going to go and let some kid know that they are a somebody. Amen? What's your excuse? What's your excuse? Come on, man. What's your excuse? That's an important question. I'm not just throwing that in your face because I want to challenge you with that question because it, 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 you know, if you answer with some excuses, it might not be good for you, and I'm going to show you why. Let me show you a little bit of how excuses work with God. Then another came and said, Lord, here's your mina. I kept it away. I laid it in a handkerchief. I didn't want to grow you to church, God. I didn't make it easier for anybody to know Jesus. I didn't lead anybody into a growing relationship with Christ. I was afraid. So I just kept what you gave me. I just kept it to myself. All right? And I, and, and I, just, and I just put it in neatly in a handkerchief. I respected it, but I didn't do nothing with it. I put it away for nobody to see. Nobody even knew I had it. Thanksgiving dinner around my house or my family's house, none of them knew. Christmas, nothing. My friends and group, no. I felt bad for them because they didn't know you, but I didn't say nothing. You've heard this before. There's a, a, a magician group from back a ways, Penn and Teller, and many of you probably heard this before, but Penn was uh, the, one, one of the guys in there was just a self-proclaimed atheist, had no problems letting you know, I don't believe in none of this stuff. But one day he was noted as saying, I don't respect people who don't proselytize, who don't convert people into their faith. Who, you know, how, you know, he says, how can you believe all these things? You believe all these things about heaven and about hell, all right, but yet you don't share it with anybody because you're afraid or, or it's socially awkward. He was noted to say in this, how much do you have to hate somebody to believe that everlasting life is possible and not tell them that? He says, I don't care who you are, man. If I knew that you, there was a, that you were in the middle of the road and there was a truck coming and it was going to just mow you down and I was telling you and you didn't believe me, there's a point to where I would actually tackle you to get you out of that road. And this is way more important than that. Those words from an atheist. Sounds like he's inviting somebody, please help me understand this. But this, this guy says in verse 21, I was afraid of you because you're a severe man and you take what you didn't deposit and you reap what you didn't sow. He didn't even understand his master. He didn't even understand the love and the generosity and the character at all of his master. And he made up his own thoughts, all right? A wrong understanding of his master and character caused him to act out of fear instead of love. This is why it's so important for you and I to get to know the character of God. To get to know the character of Christ. Because when we don't spend time getting to know who Jesus is, we create him in our own image. 
or the image of anyone else who is the most authoritative figure in our life. If, if you're harsh or if they were harsh, guess what? God's harsh. If you're severe and they're severe, guess what? God's severe. If they lack justice and love, all right, then guess what? God must lack justice and love. This is how the church hurts people because we, we, we project that on others. God in our image. It's so important that we get to know the character of God. And this, and, this, and this nobleman says to him, I will condemn you with your own words. And the wicked servant, you wicked servant, you knew that I was severe, a severe man, taking what I did not deposit and reaping what I did not sow. He said, why then did you not put your, you know, my money in the bank and, and at my coming, I might have collected it with interest. Why didn't you do the very least? All right, you know, an investment in an engagement. I, you know, in a, you know, of engagement. In youth ministry, I had several letters, levels of leadership. I would invite people to be leaders in the youth ministry. All right, and then, you know, there were several levels, le- <laughs> I can't say the word levels, of leadership that I would challenge people. Yes, there were hands-on, all right? You're gonna be working with kids, interacting with kids, and there was work you had to do to get to be one of those hands-on leaders. But then I also had resource leaders, those who are so about the mission and about that, they didn't wanna be involved with kids, but they wanted to provide what the kids needed so they'd make it easier for them to know Jesus. And then there were the cheerleaders, all right? Those were the ones that I said, man, I just need you to pray, need to pray. As a matter of fact, we went and bought yearbooks of the school, you know, the, 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 of, 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 here at the school, and we just cut out, made copies and cut out the rows of kids, all right? And said, you're gonna pray for these rows, you're gonna pray for these rows, and you're gonna pray for these rows. And we need you guys to do that all year long while the hands-on leaders are just involved in their life. See, there's room for gospel growth. Don't just put it in a handkerchief. Man, this is the most important news on the planet. Jesus! We have it, praise the Lord. We have it. He said to those, take the mina from him. Give it to the one who has 10. And they said to him, the Lord, he has 10 minas. He said, I tell you what, that everyone who has more will be given, but the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. There's school, there's a couple of schools of thought right here. We're like, wait a second, is this Jesus? Is this God? What's going on right here? All right, there's a, you know, the schools of thought is like some say, well, this guy was saved, yet, yet, you know, because he did no kingdom work, all right, he receives no reward in the kingdom, all right, but he'll be in the kingdom, all right? That's what they say, you know, some people say that just by the skin of his teeth. Others say that this guy didn't know, this guy didn't know the king, and therefore he received, the, you know, he won't receive the reward of the kingdom. He's out, right? He's all the way out. Personally, I don't mess around with maybes. Well, which one was it? Can I get in by the skin of my teeth or am I totally out? I choose to stay clear from those. You know what? I'm staying as close to God as I can. And if I got a Mina, guess what? Here, Mina, 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 Mina. Boom, boom, boom. I don't care if you're taking it or not. I'm giving out that Mina. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. That's our life. That's our responsibility as followers of Christ. But look at verse 27, and this should drive us out into the world with that meaning, with that gospel, with those giftings. But as for those enemies of mine who did not want me to reign over them, bring them here into the slaughter before me. And people are like, what the heck? What's up with God? The truth is God's kingdom is eternity with Jesus reigning over us as king. The truth is 
God's kingdom is eternity with Jesus Christ reigning over us as king. Right? If you don't want him to rule you now for this little period of time on earth that we're here, why would he make you spend eternity under his rule? That doesn't sound like a loving God. But what he does do is he sends you and me after those. So this is not their eternal fate. Praise the Lord. Amen. Like I said, we're in the middle of this parable. We're right in the middle of this parable right now. And Jesus, he portrays three different people in this parable. Three different, with, with, with three different kingdom views. And it's important for us to, to understand that. The first view is the view that I believe we should all own. Let's roll up our sleeves and let's reach some souls for Jesus Christ, with Jesus Christ. Amen? But there's two other people. Number two, let's play church and see what happens. It's a dangerous game. Number three is pretty blatant. Let's, let's make our own kingdom and just be our own king. Which is you? Which is you? And if you're not that number one, you're two or three, what does it take for you to get to number one? Simple. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the resurrection. You're Lord, and I'm yours. Help me see the way you see. Amen? Simple prayer. All right, say we're all number one. What do we do now? I tell you this, engage in his work until he comes. Engage in his work until he comes. I have some questions for you. Number one, who's discipling you? You need to answer that question. If you're not involved in a community group, you need to get involved. Go on the app, all right? It's real simple. Hit connect. You'll see groups, and then you'll see sign up for a group. Get involved in a community group. What are you waiting for? Discipling and being disciple is taking place in our community groups and seeing the fruit come out of that is amazing. All right. So, so who is discipling you? Number two, number two, who are you leading to Jesus? And that is another simple prayer. God, tell me who to tell who to tell about you. Everybody. Praise the Lord. God, tell me who to tell about you. You don't even have to pray that because you already know because you've been praying for certain people already. Who's discipling you? Who are you discipling? And then finally, speak Jesus. Amen? Speak Jesus. Speak Jesus. Hallelujah. We're going to bring that song back right now. I do not want you guys rushing out of here and interrupting the worship of everybody else who's staying. Please, you can wait a couple of more minutes. But I'll challenge you, don't just wait a couple of minutes. Worship for a couple of more minutes. We're going to sing this song, all right? And we're going to challenge you, because I want to challenge you this last little thought.
Somebody was bold enough to speak Jesus into your life or you would not be here. And God begins his work through you. He begins his work right through you by simply challenging you to do the same. And just speak Jesus. If you got a handkerchief, just use it to wipe the sweat off your forehead. All right? Or blow your nose. I just freak out when people blow their nose in these things. Okay, anyways. But speak Jesus. Amen? Amen. We're going to be right here to pray with you. Come on up here and pray if you need prayer. There's a prayer fence in the back. Stick your prayers in there. We'll be praying all those all week. Why don't you stand with us as we speak Jesus. Stay with us. Worship for a couple of more minutes. Amen. Man, we got to speak Jesus. I mean, how could you not? Having that freedom in your life. This makes me think.